Some of you may be aware of the show uh, Severance. It's, it's fairly new, not many episodes. Um, and I won't spoil it for you if you've not seen it, but um, it revolves around forgetting. So in this series, there is a place that you can work where if you give your consent, they will put a microchip in your brain so that you do not remember what you actually do at this company. And for this this main character you see on screen, I won't tell you why he chooses, but he makes a very intentional choice as to why he wants to forget for eight hours a day. Now, what's interesting is um, there are essentially two sides to everybody who is an employee here, right? And they call them innies and outies. So when you're inside the company and you're doing whatever it is that you do, that's your innie self. And then your outside self is called your outie. And so what's interesting is you see both people and you see this guy. He, you know, he goes to work. He goes to his company. The elevators close. And as it's going to wherever he's supposed to go, that's when the chip uh, activates and he forgets everything. And then, you know, obviously when he's done for the day, he goes back down the elevator, his chip goes off, and then he's the person on the outside. And then you see him, he goes home and, you know, he relaxes the way any of us do after a day of work, which makes sense. However, if you think about it for the person on the inside or the outside, it's just a series of elevators opening and closing. Because you forget everything that happens in between. So imagine going to work and all you do is, so like it's, you know, 9 a.m., you go in the elevator, elevators close, and then immediately they open and it's 5 p.m. Isn't that weird? And so then, yeah, you go home and you relax after, you know, whatever the day. So it's just interesting to think about if you didn't have the perspective of what goes on inside, if you forget the same way as the character what life must be like with when you just lose eight hours every single day. And we might ask, well, wouldn't it be great to for, wouldn't it be great just to forget work? You know, you, you go, but you don't remember going. Um, but again, for this main character, there's another reason that he wants to forget, at least for a short period. And it, and it makes us think, you know, we have a weird relationship with remembering and forgetting. You know, sometimes we forget things and then we might remember that we forget. Oh, yeah, I forgot to take that stuff out of the dryer or, oh, my gosh, I forgot to call that person or, oh, my gosh, I forgot to finish the invitation and confession. Um, <laughs> our memory capacity may not be what it once was if it, if it was ever anything. I don't know about you, but my memory capacity is like Swiss cheese. And um, it's just hard. It's just hard to retain everything. And so maybe it would be nice to forget maybe a little bit more. Um, but some things like we forget and we forget that we have forgotten them. And we may never remember them again. And of course, I mean, we say that in that everyday sort of sense. But we also know that for other individuals, it is a lot more serious um, and it's a lot more um, devastating. We likely know of individuals, whether personally or by association, who are living in realities of Alzheimer's and dementia. And what happens in the series of those realities that not only affect memory, it can affect personality. It can affect identity. It may even make us question on a theological level, who am I if I keep losing my memories? And just to put in a plug, here at First United Methodist Church, we have a fantastic memory ministry specifically for these realities. Um, we have a certified uh, counselor 
who works in memory care, uh, Vicki Pittner. She has developed a memory cafe and um, other opportunities both for the participant but also for the caregivers to be able to come together and talk about what is it like to live in this new reality and a reality that keeps changing, sometimes even on a daily basis. And so this memory uh, ministry is there to acknowledge this reality and also just to help individuals go through it on a day-by-day basis because, again, to lose memories in that capacity um, can be devastating. And there are um, incidents that we all know of. It may not even be our personal experience, although I think we all have it. But again, I mean, this is lifted up in stories all the time. Um, As many of you know, I'm a a huge fan of the story of Christmas Carol. And one of the things about the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge is that the spirits are getting him to remember who he was. Because part of his shutting himself off from the world and bah humbugging everything is because he has forgotten what it means to be a person, what it means to be loved. And so especially when he goes back to his past, he he relives all of these memories of his childhood, of his young life when he was engaged. And it even says that there were there were deep memories that were stirred in him that had been long, long forgotten. I remember it was probably the just the second or third time I had read the book lately, and it even talks about his house being that way. It describes his house in this little kind of dark alley and describes it as though this house was one day playing hide and seek back when it was really, really young and got lost in this dark corridor and forgot how to find its way out. Just incredibly sad imagery. Um, But we have other stories as well. You know, one of the great things about the relationship between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader is that when Luke realizes that that uh, Vader is his father, he tries to get him to remember this. And he, he even calls him by his first name. And Vader says that name doesn't have any meaning to me anymore. And he said, but it's the true name of yourself. It's the true name of yourself you have only forgotten. And so there are memories that we lose, whether it's life circumstances or memories that we choose not to think about. There's that powerful scene in Finding Nemo when Marlon thinks that Nemo has has died um, and he's just given up. And Dory pleads with him not to give up because Dory, as many of us know, if you've seen the movie, um, has very limited short term memory. Uh, She forgets everything that she experiences. But she says to Marlon, you know, for whatever reason, when I'm with you, I can remember I have a purpose as we keep going on this journey. I keep remembering things and I don't want to forget. And Marlon says, but I do. There are memories we choose to forget because they are just too hard to keep. They're just too hurtful. It, it, It drains us too much. It hurts too much to hold on to those memories and we choose to let them go. And that's okay. I mean, Most of us may have gone through things or know of others who have gone through experiences that it is better just to leave them behind. It is better to forget. It is better to drop them. And this is part of what Jesus does when he approaches the disciples and he says, drop your nets and follow me. Drop these things which society and circumstances have placed upon you that make you have to work 12, 15 hours a day, backbreaking work, work that drains you. Set that down or put it down. Or when he says to people, take my yoke upon you, my yoke 
is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will help you move on. So those sometimes there are those memories and those experiences that we need to set down because they're too heavy, because they are too hard. But what else gets forgotten in the process? What else do we maybe lose? What else um, is no longer a part of us? Last week, as we as we wrapped up our uh, message series, BUMC, we ended with 1 Corinthians 12, in which uh, Paul is reminding people who they are and who Christ is and what it means to to live in God's presence. And part of that was getting the people, the Corinthians, to remember who they were and what they were supposed to do. In the chapter just before that, he goes into this really eloquent remembrance of what communion is. Or Eucharist. It's kind of the big churchy word for it. And the reason he's bringing this up is when people in the church of Corinth were participating in the Eucharist. So when Paul was there, it was just the simple, you know, the bread and and the wine. So Paul leaves and a little bit of time passes by and then people just kind of start bringing their own food. Right. Maybe it's, you know, just a bowl of crackers at first. Like, hey, I thought this would be fun to give. Well, if they're going to bring crackers, I'm going to bring my potato salad. Well, if they're going to bring their potato salad, I'm going to bring my sauerkraut. And it turns into a potluck. Which I know for us as United Methodists, I mean, that's almost as sacred. And there's nothing wrong with a potluck. There's nothing wrong with diversity, you know, bringing other recipes and trying all that. But what Paul is trying to get the church to remember is don't confuse that with the Eucharist. And again, that's why we celebrate a love feast. And in fact, Paul even calls communion a love feast. And so we have love feasts when we're wanting something a little bit more casual than the holy sacrament of communion. But what Paul is trying to get the church to remember is that when you're celebrating the the bread and the cup, it is Christ's full offering. Everything that Christ is. Part of that is wrapped in the death and the resurrection, but it's also the life. All that I am, all that I have, Jesus says, I offer it to you. And I also recognize your brokenness. Because I have experienced brokenness too. I have also experienced resurrection, and I hope you experience this too. All of that is lifted up in the bread and in the cup. It is not an ordinary meal. At the same time, the elements themselves, as ordinary as they might seem, are part of that extraordinary experience of Jesus offering himself to us. That's why we say it's not the the elements themselves, which is why it is so important to those who are worshiping with us online. What it is that you have, what it is that you bring to the table is just as important, just as sacred and just as blessed. When we take it in the need to experience how it is that God has revealed to us in this moment, in this time. Because, again, it's not just the elements, it's the ritual of it. It is it is the the sacrament of the ritual of coming together, whether in person or online, and know that we are not taking these elements alone all by themselves. It is also in the motion. It is in the actions. That's why when Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he was a part of that German prison during World War II, when they didn't even have the elements, they didn't even have plates. They would participate in the motion. 
which was just as sacred, had they bread and cup. Because he would say, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay, have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. And so he went into the house with them. And here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. They remembered. And he disappeared. These two compatriots walking from Jerusalem after the crucifixion. So deep in their sorrow over what had happened, and we don't know if they actually saw the crucifixion. We don't know if they just heard about it. We don't know if these were active followers. We don't know if maybe these were just fans of Jesus. But we do know that they were deeply grieved and moved because of the news of Jesus's death. So grieved that when Jesus is literally walking by their side, they do not recognize that it is him. And again, maybe it's because they've never seen him before. Maybe they didn't know what Jesus looked like. Or maybe they did know. And they had forgotten. But for whatever reason, the resurrected Jesus appears to these travelers who have come from Jerusalem, saddened by what has happened. They don't recognize that Jesus is with them. They do not recognize that Jesus is with them. But they start talking with this stranger. They tell this stranger their story. He tells them theirs. And by the time they get to the house, they decide to invite this stranger in. And so imagine as they're setting setting up the table, maybe. So again, the, the homeowners, they're doing everything that you're supposed to do when you're entertaining a stranger, right? They set up the table, they put down the bread, they put down the wine, and they're expecting the stranger to then come, and they are going to serve the stranger. But Jesus reaches over the table. Does that reign true to anybody who still practices polite table manners? Jesus, the stranger, Jesus reaches over, he reaches over the table. And he takes the bread, their bread, and he gives thanks, and he blesses it, and he breaks it. And in those actions, that's when they remember. In the ritual, that is when they recognize who Jesus is because they remember who Jesus is. When I was a kid, I had a Spider-Man wallet that I took everywhere. I loved this wallet more than anything. I was like five years old when I had this wallet. It was this little brown kind of leathery. Well, it was fake leather. But it had Spider-Man swinging on it. It had this little pouch for coins because coins was all I had. So I had like the just 
bags of pennies, you know, just jutting out of this little pocket. And I would put it in my front pocket of what I, whatever I was wearing, and I would take this everywhere. There was stitching on it, and it was so worn that the stitching had started coming out. And I lost it. And I had forgotten that I lost it. And I had forgotten that I had forgotten that I lost it until 30 years later. I'm in a comic book store and I'm walking by, you know, this display case and I see it. I see the wallet. Now, it's obviously not my wallet, but it was the same one. And all of these memories just came rushing back. Memories that I had forgotten, I had forgotten. I mean, and I looked in the corner, I was like, yes, there's the coin purse. That's where I, that's where I put all my pennies in that little coin pocket. And just these memories of like going to the park and, you know, going to my grandparents' house and, you know, making sure that this wallet was with me. It was like a fraction of who I was had suddenly been put back in. Jesus does that for our entire identity by reaching over the table that we consider to be the world, to be reality. And in the midst of that, takes an ordinary loaf of bread and he breaks it. And in that moment, we receive a piece of our identity that we had forgotten. Do this, Jesus says, in remembrance of me. And when we remember Jesus, we remember a piece of ourselves. When we take of the sacrament of water, we always talk about water being new life as, as it's initiating something, maybe as it's starting something. And part of that is true. But the other part that we remember of God already being in the water is that we remember how much in need of water we always are in. And how this new life is really about remembering the life that God has already given us. And so there is that idea of starting, of initiation. But it is also the idea of remembering who it is that we already are. As people created in God's image, in God's love. This is why we celebrate baptism at any age. Whether we're two days old. Well, maybe not two days. I don't think I've ever done one that early. But we could if a family wanted to. Let's say maybe a year, you know, six months. But I've also done baptisms with people who are approaching 100. And the reason I bring that up is because age has nothing to do with it. Because God is with us at all points of our life. And so even if we don't physically remember our baptism, we allow the opportunity, the celebration to spiritually remember our baptism because God has never left us. That's why we celebrate prevenient grace, God being there and and gracing even when we don't realize it. And then in that moment, when we feel the water, when we eat the bread, when we drink the cup, the justifying grace, when we see how it is that God is present currently in that moment, even if it's just for a moment. Because when we want that moment again and again, that is what we call sanctifying grace, which is why we celebrate these sacraments as often as possible. Sacraments that all of you are welcome to be a part of here and now. Because sometimes it's not us who forget. Sometimes we may be feel, we feel as though we are the ones who have been forgotten. That maybe we are not seen as who we are or who we are supposed to be. 
Sometimes we need to remember that we are still connected, that we are connected to the world, that we are connected to other people, that we are connected to God. And Jesus understands this, which is why he tells so many stories about the lost, about someone lifting up all the furniture so that they can find that one lost coin. About a shepherd leaving all the other sheep in their pasture because that one is missing and and, and they need to pick it up and bring it back. About a child who decided to leave home and shun their parent only to face famine and starvation and decide to come back home thinking that they needed to give a great performative speech. But to have their parent run out and say, it doesn't matter. You're home now. You're back. You remembered. That is what we experience when we approach the table in the bread, in the cup, in the water. You are home. I remembered you. In our other services, we were graced with the presence of uh, Reverend Dr. Riley Short, who was the senior pastor here. And today was his 30th anniversary of the first sermon preached as the senior pastor in this church. And I highly encourage you to go and listen to Riley's sermon. Um, And if you don't want to listen to the whole thing, if you get to the part where he talks about Gloria, listen to that story. Because what he says after that story is, I want this church to be a church who remembers everybody and who remembers the forgotten. And sometimes that includes us. And so when we are able to share the story of how it is that Jesus remembers us, make sure to tell your story as well, because we all feel forgotten at times. But what the sacraments help us to remember, among other things, is how it is that God has never forgotten us. God will not forget us. And sometimes we need those tangible reminders, even simple water and bread and juice. But we also need your story. Share the story of how it is that we remember who we are as God's loved ones. And may we all go in peace. Amen.